It's your boy DM3. You're listening to the Buffalo Blitz Podcast, exclusively on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. This is the Buffalo Blitz Podcast, hosted by Peter DiBiase, right here on the Built in Buffalo Network. Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Blitz podcast. You guys can see this episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as any other place you guys get your podcast. Today, we are joined by founder of the Built-In Buffalo Network, Dave Myers. Dave, welcome to the show. What's going on, Peter? It's about time that we, we did this, right? I've been, I've been itching to get on your show, man. Yeah, guys, Dave, if you guys haven't checked him out on Twitter, and obviously the founder of Built-In Buffalo, does some great things for the network, runs it, keeps this, this oiling machine going week to week, um, but had to have him on the podcast. And we're going to be breaking down some interesting, interesting topics. And it's a good week to be a Buffalo Bills fan. Stefan Diggs signed to a contract this past week or contract extension, excuse me. Um, Stefan Diggs could be in a Buffalo Bill for a four-year, $124 million Four-year, $104 million extension that includes $70 million guaranteed, and then it creates this contract to be six years, $124 million contract. We'll be talking about the Stefan Diggs contract. We'll talk about some Jordan Poyer with the news about him and his contract situation this past week, as well as we break in a little bit down towards the end of the episode, some of the running back and wide receiver prospects that the Bills could target. But make sure you guys follow Built in Buffalo on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as on Apple Podcasts and YouTube, where this episode will be on Friday and every Friday. But Dave, we got to start about to start talking about the Stefan Diggs contract. It's finally a good thing to be a Buffalo Bills fan that players actually want to play in Buffalo. We saw with Von Miller a couple of weeks ago, he came in Buffalo, and then Stefan Diggs is locked up for another six years in Buffalo. I thought this day would never come that two superstars would actually want to play in Buffalo. Yeah, what's funny is the three largest contracts in the history of the Buffalo Bills are Josh Allen, Vaughn Miller, and Stephon Diggs, and they're all on the same team. Um, we're living in crazy times. You know, I mean, you give the contract to Vaughn Miller, and I think that kind of pushed the envelope for Brandon Bean to get it done with Diggs. We saw what happened on social media, Stefan Diggs took down everything off his Instagram page. Everybody was saying it didn't mean anything. You know, maybe he's rebranding himself. Maybe he just wanted to, you know, clean up his Instagram page, but it remained blank until yesterday when he signed his contract. He put a nice post up there thanking the fans, thanking the Pagulas, thanking Brandon Bean, um, and basically showing his love for Bill's Mafia, saying that he, there's no place that he would rather retire than in Buffalo. So it's, it's nice to know that Josh Allen's got his guy. Uh, Bill's Mafia has a warrior in Stefan Diggs, and he's going to be here probably until he retires. And you got to love the fact that uh, Stefan Diggs took to Twitter and he picked up where Matt Milano left off um, with the quote, I'm not going anywhere. And he had the little video up there. So, um, you know, it's, press conference today was very humbling. Um, it, it seemed like it was very genuine. I like the fact that he mentioned the fans because I think, and the, the fans in the community, because I think these players, once they get here, they realize, you know, this is, this is a way of life. Like being a Bills fan is a way of life and the support that, you know, all these fans and, and these guys see social media, you know, these guys pay attention. 
you know, all the fans that were crying out for extending Stefan Diggs. And, I, you know, I was one of them. I was saying, hey, we need to extend this guy like yesterday. Um, and they see that stuff, you know, and it's not it, it's not just out there and they, they don't pay attention. and It's just cast off like they 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 appreciate the support. And Stefan Diggs made it abundantly clear that, you know, the Bills fans, hey, I'm not going anywhere. So I thought that was cool. And, you know, it's just funny how in a two-year span, you know, we went from trading for Stephon Diggs, Brandon Bean trades for Stephon Diggs, and then we had all the Vikings fans, you know, hey, he's going to probably last, he won't last a year, and Josh Allen's so inaccurate, it's going to be such a disaster. And now these two guys are inseparable, and it's just, it's just a, a great time to be a Bills fan. I agree. I preached for the last couple of weeks that obviously you had to lock up Stefan Diggs. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's Josh Allen's favorite target and helped taking Josh Allen from um, a B quarterback to an A quarterback. And why, why at first, why would you want to upset obviously Josh Allen? There's no need to do that. And why would you want to upset potentially Stefan Diggs when we're going into a season or another in the next couple of years where I'm saying super robust, but it might be super robust because the Bills have a Super Bowl roster. So why would you want to change it up? It's not like we're in a rebuild mode where, you know what, why would you pay a 27, 28-year-old receiver and give him a four-year extension if we're just going to be rebuilding? But the Bills are obviously nowhere near that. So you didn't want to upset, obviously, Stefan Diggs. You didn't want to upset Josh Allen. You wanted to keep that chemistry going. And Stefan Diggs probably felt slighted. Dave, I know you had some um, – uh, statistics based off DeAndre Hopkins and Devonte Adams. So let's share that with the, our listeners. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're looking at, you know, comparable contracts, obviously Tyreek Hill got paid, you know, $130 million for the dolphins. Um, so I think that set the tone for a lot of, you know, these wide receivers going forward. Um, Devonte Adams obviously got his money before, but the Devonte Adams contract is also longer um, and he's the same age as Terry Kill. So did the Raiders overpay? I think a little bit because we don't know once he hits 35, you know, years old, you know, you're, you're looking at that contract. Is he still going to be a member of the Raiders? So if we're looking at the three wide receivers that are ahead of Stefan Diggs, as far as average annual salary, not guaranteed money, nothing like that. But if you break down the contract and you average it out over the, the duration of the contract. So Terry Kill. He's got the largest contract, 130 million. So for the last two seasons, targets per game for Tariq Hill is 9.19. Receptions per game is 6.19. Drop percentage is 0.59%. So let's keep that in mind. Devontae Adams, last two seasons. Targets per game, 10.57. Receptions per game, 7.93. Drop percent, 0.17. And he is in the top 5% of all players in the NFL as far as the lowest drop percent, because Devontae Adams is, is just a beast. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, targets per game, 10.10. Receptions per game, 7.06. Drop percentage is 0.19. All right, so the average of all those guys, you take those three guys who are making an average salary more than Stephon Diggs, 9.69 reception or targets per game, 6.87 receptions per game, and about 0.3 uh, drop percent. So now let's look at Stefan Diggs and where he factors into all this and where he factors into the contract that Brandon Bean gave him. All right. So Stefan Diggs, 10 targets per game, 
just under seven receptions per game and a drop percent of 0.3. So he's above average of all those three guys over the duration of his two years with the Bills. So you can say that, you know, was the money warranted? Well, hell yeah, it was warranted. You know, he's missed two games over the course of his career. He's missed none with the Bills. He started all the Bills games that, he, that you know, that he's been on the team the last two yeah. years. So all 33 games he started for the Bills. The only other one to do that that's in the top tier of average salary is Keenan Allen. He hasn't missed a game in two years. So if you want to take, if you want to break this down a little bit further, so Tariq Hill at the age of his contract is 28 years old. Devontae Adams is 29. DeAndre Hopkins is 28. And Stefan Diggs is 28. So the average age, he's on the lower end of the spectrum there. Um, so the duration is, is he going to be a bill for six years? We don't know. I mean, is he going to be a bill for the foreseeable future? Yes. You know, but once the money starts rolling in and the guaranteed stuff is out of the way and things like that, we can talk about that then. Um, but a couple more things on Stefan Diggs, and I, I don't want to kill the podcast with stats, but 230 receptions in two seasons is a bill's record. Nobody's ever had, two back-to-back 100 reception seasons other than Stephon Diggs as a member of the Buffalo Bills. 330 targets. 330 targets over the last two seasons. 2,760 yards. Um, His yards per game when he was with Minnesota was 66. It went up to 84 with the Bills. And a QB rating when he's targeted by Josh Allen for two years is 103. So that's just stuff to think on. You know, he's absolutely worth every penny i think um i think that he's glad that that the deal got done i know brandon bean's probably glad that the deal got done i'm interested to see what that does for his 2022 um salary to see if how much the bills saved if they pushed a signing bonus you know into 2023 2024 um to open up some cap space um for the remaining free agents that will have to sign the draft picks things like that no, yeah, and look, Stefan Diggs, obviously, like you said, one of the best receivers in the NFL, and I think the stats that show why he deserves to get paid and why you wouldn't want to upset him and why he should be a member of the Buffalo Bills for the foreseeable future is the 330 targets, the 230 receiving yards, or receptions, and then, obviously, the Q, QB rating with Josh Allen targeting him. Stefan Diggs, arguably best receiver in the NFL, and you've seen – quarterbacks take that next step or continue their development or continue their greatness with addition of best of elite receivers or keeping elite receivers. Obviously you have the Tyreek kill Patrick Holmes that ended, but we can see what happens with Devonte Adams and Derek Carr. We saw the Devonte Adams with Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen. And then they locked up Mike Williams. You see the jets trying to do exactly what the bills did a right. couple years ago. They were in the Tyreek kill um, saga um, obviously he didn't want to go there, but they were, they were the second team there. Obviously he wanted to go to Miami, but it, you could, it all showed that the Jets were trying, trying to get an elite receiver. They've been rumored with DK Metcalf. Do they want to give the 10th pick? Pete Carroll has been saying, we're not training DK Metcalf, but he said the same similar language. He said about the Russell Wilson. And obviously we saw Russell Wilson um, get traded, but in order to be an elite quarterback, you need to have elite receivers or a, an elite receiver. Obviously, hopefully we get Gabriel Davis eventually gets there. 
We saw what he did in the playoff divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs. But Stefan Diggs was a for sure thing. Why upset him and why not have him a member of the Buffalo Bills? He hasn't done anything to like not warrant that contract. Like you can't say anything like 1500 yards his first year, 1200 yards his second year, eight touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, 127 receptions, 103 receptions. Like tell me where like he doesn't deserve that contract. He deserves that contract. And I'm happy he got it because you know what? I always preach. It's, obviously it's not my money and it's not your money. So if a guy wants to go get his money, go get his money. And obviously it helps the bills. And I want to, I do agree. I want to see how they push that contract for this year because obviously we're tight in the tight in the salary cap so you want to see because we're going to obviously draft uh we have to get out to obviously sign a draft class as well as those fans that i'm preaching for our veteran corner to come in because Levi Wallace leaving Trey White with the ACL injury that's an up in the air position so i'm excited to see what that contract is and then Stefan Diggs i don't have to read and i know Dave you're happy we don't have to go on twitter anymore and read Tweets about <laughs> Stefan Diglevy leaving the Doug Whaley thing. He went on our, was it a radio show or a podcast? I don't remember what it was this past week or a week ago talking about the Bills should uh, trade Stefan Diggs. People wanted to trade Stefan Diggs. Um, that, I saw some people, some Twitter people that I follow or yeah, that I follow on Twitter say it would be a good idea to trade Stefan Diggs. Uh, that's just talking out of you know what because that doesn't seem like a any good idea to trade Stefan Diggs and obviously giving him a four-year contract extension, making it a total of six years left on this contract. Kind of throws out the window, I would say, of trading Stefan Diggs. Yeah, and I think, too, what's what's kind of hidden in all this is Josh Allen, I feel like, needed an alpha male wide receiver. Um, you know, we had John Brown came in and Cole Beasley, and those guys were both very instrumental in 2019 when they came in to help Josh's progression. But neither of those guys were really alpha males. They weren't the guy that was going to command the room. They weren't the guys that were going to, you know, be on the field and, and be that leader that is going to rally the troops. You know, Josh Allen, yes, does that. But in the wide receiver room, I think having Stefan Diggs come in, people want to call him a diva, whatever, have him come in and be that guy that, Every time he makes a he makes a nice play, he's gonna let you know, and I think that that goes a long way with Team Morrell. And it's not just you know on the field. And as you can see, the Bills made him a captain last year, and there's it's it's well deserved, and it, it it speaks volumes to what Brandon Bean saw in Stephon Diggs and what was going on in Minnesota, saying, hey, maybe this isn't all his fault. Maybe a lot of the stuff that's going on there is is justified and is warranted we've seen nothing but production from Stefan Diggs and maybe if we can get him into our culture you know the the Sean McDermott come to Buffalo be a better version of yourself you know the process you know being in McDermott I'll breathe that same mantra and I, I think it's it's nothing it's been nothing but a win-win pairing him with Josh Allen because the two are inseparable and they seem to be on the same page and it showed in his first year and I think we need to also put to put to bed the whole who made who better. You know, did <clears throat> did Allen make Diggs better? Did Diggs make Allen better? You know, because if you look in the history of superstar quarterbacks, they've always had an alpha male dominant number one wide receiver. You can go all the way back in time to Joe Montana with Jerry Rice. You know, all those those guys have always had if they're a very successful quarterback, they've made 
plays and made Hall of Fame careers because they've been paired with Hall of Fame type quarterbacks. I mean, you look at Ben Roethlisberger, he had Heinz Ward and then he had Antonio Brown. You know, you, yeah. you look at Matt Ryan, he had Julio Jones. You know, it took Matt Stafford to get with Cooper Cup to get pushed over the hump. Now they have a great defense, but like every quarterback, if you think about Patrick Mahomes had Tyreek Hill, yes, he's got Travis Kelsey, but if you look at it, all the really good quarterbacks have had superstar wide receivers. So it just made sense to pair these guys for the next six years. Um, Josh will have another year after that. So we'll kind of see where that's at by then. There might be another guy that's waiting in the wings to take over for Stefan Diggs, but we don't have to worry about that, thankfully, for a few years down the road. Yeah. And two things I want to mention before we move on to the Jordan Poyer conversation. This was this was a tweet from our account so built in Buffalo at 4.41 p.m. on Thursday, April 7th. So if you guys don't want to follow us on Twitter, you guys should follow us on Twitter because content is just spewing out 24-7. Stefan Diggs, NFL ranked since 2020. Targets, he's first. Receptions, he's third. Receiving yards, he's third. And he's tied for seventh in receiving touchdowns. Just so, just send somebody that graphic and just say, and just you don't have to say anything else. And that just <laughs> explains how good Stefan Diggs has been with the Buffalo Bills. And one thing you just mentioned that I think not slept, I think it slept on. Stefan Diggs was named the captain last year. So Sean McDermott, Brandon B, trust him as obviously a captain and obviously as a leader. And I think that shows in the development of Gabriel Davis and the potential if we draft a receiver in the first, second, and third round, which I think we do, because it shows, one, he proves it on the field. He backs up everything he says to them behind the scenes, in the locker room, all that stuff, by proving on the field that he's an elite receiver. So Gabriel Davis and the potential rookie or any other young receiver on our team shows that. And he seems, if he's a captain, I trust McDermott that he's a leader. So I think that has been slept on in the development of Gabe Davis and obviously hopefully the development of a rookie receiver that Stefan Diggs has become that leader that maybe he wasn't in Minnesota and maybe Brandon Bean, like you said, and Sean McDermott said, you know what, if we get this guy into our culture, we can change him or not change him, or we can bring the best out of Stefan Diggs. And I think going to Buffalo, because I remember two years ago, David, I think you remember this when we traded for Stefan Diggs, he's a diva. He's not going to want to play in Buffalo. He's going to want out yada, yada, yada. Stuff, Josh Allen's going to overthrow him, all that fun stuff. I think he's brought out Stefan Diggs as a leader. I think has made him as a better person, mate, potentially. I think he's brought out the best in Stefan Diggs, probably off the field because he's a captain and on the field. And I think, too, one, one last thing is, and this didn't really seal the deal for me being on board with Stefan Diggs as a leader, as a great locker room guy, as a captain, whatever. But after the Chiefs game in the playoffs, he was asked about, you know, how do you feel about your three, your three receptions in seven yards? And to me, this was probably the most unselfish comment that you can get from a superstar. He said, I don't care. Did you see what Gabe Davis did? Gabe Davis scored four touchdowns. The reason why I only had three receptions in seven yards was because Gabe Davis had over 200 yards receiving. Let's talk. You want to talk about that? Or do you want to talk about my three receptions in seven yards? I was, I, I was locked down because somebody else was eating all game. So, I mean, that's the type of things. And, and it goes, it goes without saying, but like, Stefan Diggs does, especially last year, not this past season, but the season before his first year with the bills, he did all of the dirty work inside the twenties. And then when we got down in the red zone, it was always, you know, target Dawson Knox target, you know, 
some of these other guys or have Josh run in, whatever it is. He did all the dirty work. I mean, Gabe Davis had seven touchdowns his rookie year. Stephon Diggs had eight. So Stephon Diggs, highly underrated stat is that he wasn't targeted a lot in the red zone because he was doing the stuff in between the 20s to get the team set up to run that type of offense inside the red zone. So that's just something also to, to put out there and think about is the whole knock on Stephon Diggs for being selfish and being all about me. It couldn't be any further from the truth. As we move on to the Jordan Poyer conversation, this has been a conversation after the Stefan Diggs. It says gain a lot of traction on social media, a lot of Bills fans, a lot of Bills reporters, all that stuff. His wife chimed in and not going to be rude, but every time that happens, it's never any time a family member, that's probably a better way to say it. Every time a family member chimes in on a contract situation or anything on the field, it never goes well. It's just not a good idea. But Jordan Poyer, Dave, as we know, one of the best strong safeties or best safeties, whatever you want to label him, strong safety in the NFL. Had a, a tremendous, a tremendous year this past year. But he's an unrestricted free agent after the 2022 season. Micah Hyde has two more years left on his contract. What do we do with the Jordan Poyer? I want to hear your thoughts, and then I'll respond to your thoughts. Well, I mean, just a quick rundown on, on Jordan Poyer, because I – I back the guy 100%. I think that, you know, he started his career with the Eagles in the, in the NFL with the Eagles. Um, was kind of cast aside, you know, played for the Browns, had a lacerated kidney. Um, they kind of tossed him aside, you know, to resurrect his career in 2017, you know, with the tutelage of Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier. He's, been, he's done nothing but just be outstanding. I mean, let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade here. He's, he's played, I think, at such a high level that, there isn't one Bills fan that can sit here and say that they expected Jordan Poyer when he was signed in 2017 to be what he is. I mean, he was an all pro this year, you know, I mean, the last five seasons, he's only missed two games. So he's durable, right? Um, he's got 18 interceptions in the five years he's been here. He's got over 500 tackles. So he's averaging over hundred tackles a season. Um, and on top of that, he's got 10 sacks. So he's getting to the quarterback too. He can be used in those packages. So I, I just, you know, the, the whole contract thing has come up because it was announced on, on social media that Drew Rosenhaus, who probably the, the, the biggest name as far as sports agents out there, you know, he's got all the top, the top NFL players. Um, so people are thinking, well, this must mean that he's going to be looking to get paid and there's going to be a holdout incoming and all this, that, and the third. And, a lot of the stuff on social media, I think, with with Rachel Bush, I don't think really the Bills pay attention to that. Same stuff no, that I was agree. kind of go, that was going on kind of with Cole Beasley. I'm sure that things are being handled in house. You know, they have a social media team that monitors what the players do and, and say on social media, and they're not going to ever tell these guys, hey, you know, tell your wife to stop tweeting, um, because that's just not it's not their business, it's not their style. They're just it's just not you know not, not the culture, um, but. You look at Micah Hyde's contract, he got extended and pushed a bunch of his money for this year into next year. So his contract next year is actually pretty favorable for his position. He's making $10.8 million next year. Um, Jordan Poyer um, is making ten point seven this year. Um, and you can say, you know, you can go back and forth with, like, kind of like the, the, the Jordan 
um, are kind of like the Allen and Diggs, you know, who makes who better. I think these guys just both feed off each other. And I think that it was just a, a really good mix of what they both do as far as in coverage. I mean, last year, Jordan Poyer's QB rating when targeted was 45, one of the lowest in the NFL for safeties. So it goes without saying that last year was probably his best season statistically. Um, it was definitely his best season at five interceptions. You know, he was an all pro. Um, and, and then if, if you take it a step further and you look at the, the, the safeties that the Bills have currently on the roster, um, you have Jordan Porter, obviously, Micah Hyde, Damar Hamlin, Jaquan Johnson, Josh Thomas, who is like a practice squad regular. He's on and off the practice squad. Um, and then, as we all know, Saran Neal is labeled as a corner now. So if it was me and I was Brandon Bean, I'm looking at a, a safety high in the draft. And that has nothing to do with Jordan Poyer um, in his contract. That has to do with the fact that I have two aging safeties back there that I need to have, you know, a plan for what are we going to do in 2023 when we could potentially have both of these guys coming off the book at the end of the season. That's if Poyer's back next year. So don't be surprised if on day two of the draft, the Bills take a safety. There's some really good ones in the draft this year, and I, I just feel like that's a sneaky need because <clears throat> you, you, can't, you can't have these veteran players forever, right? You have to draft, develop, retain, right? And that's, that's Brandon Bean's mantra. We've been very fortunate for five years to have such a tandem at safety, no pun intended, that's been a safety blanket for our defense. They don't give up anything over the top. You know, they, they can help in the run game. Micah Hyde is basically the quarterback of the defense. And you got Jordan Poyer, who a guy you can use in all different packages. So, you know, I think if anything happens, I don't think there will be a holdout. I think conversations will be, be made with, with Jordan Poyer. And I think that an extension can happen um, because look, he's only 30. He's going to turn 31 once the season starts. He's got a few years left in him. You know, you look at guys like Devin McCourty, Malcolm Jenkins, who just retired, um, and if you look at the contracts those guys signed coming off of their career years, which was back in 2019, um, Devin McCourty signed an $11.5 million contract. Um, Malcolm Jenkins signed an $8 million per average per year contract. So, and those guys are coming off of all pro seasons when they sign those deals. So, Track has him estimated 11.6 is, is his market value. I wouldn't expect the bills, the bills to go any lower than that. I think he's worth absolutely every single penny. So it can be a situation where they give him maybe two years. They give him some money pushed back from this year as a signing bonus. So basically hand him a check, say, here you go. Here's guaranteed money. Can we push the other part of the money back to 2023-24? Here you go. Here's some money. And there's no player in the NFL that won't take a check up front. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. I'm sure he's had conversations with Micah Hyde. Um, I wouldn't read too much into what, Rachel Bush is saying on social media every time I see <laughs> I see a tweet from her it's all pro Jordan Poyer and that's basically the tweet we all know that he's an all pro you don't have to vouch for him Brandon Bean knows he's an all pro Sean McDermott Leslie Frazier know he's an all pro we know that those two guys are the backbone of this defense but this is this is a, a business and guys yeah. are going to get paid and guys are going to get replaced. It's the nature of the business. And the Bills and Brendan Bean especially are going to look for long-term solutions and not just short-term investments. And that's been the mantra since Brendan Bean's inaugural press conference back in 2017. 
is that he was going to draft, develop, and resign, and he's done everything that he's preached. So don't be surprised because I, I really don't I don't think Demar Hamlin's a replacement for Jordan Poyer no. and Micah Hyde. I really don't think Jaquan Johnson is a replacement for those guys. Those guys are nice rotational pieces, maybe can fill in for injuries. And I know Jaquan Johnson plays a ton of special teams. So they're going to have to look. And people can't – fans can't be upset because the Bills want to move on from veterans. You know, fans can't get in their emotions and say, well, why do we need to look for a replacement from like a Hyde and Jordan Poyer? Why do we have to do that? Because they're not getting any younger. Are they still performing on the field? Absolutely. The both were just named all pros. But at some point, their their abilities are going to start to diminish and we need to think about replacing them. It's just like any business. You need to have yeah, exactly. long plans. So that's my long drawn out rant about what I think I, I absolutely admire Jordan Poyer and his ability where he's come from his early days you know being cast aside by the Eagles and Browns you know to being an under the radar signing in 2017 and just having an inseparable relationship with Micah Hyde and knowing as a Bills fan that nothing's going to be given up deep you know over the top because those two guys are back, back there so I mean they are the backbone of Sean McDermott's scheme. It's the bend but don't break, and it's because of those two guys that when teams get into the red zone, nothing's happening. They're going to hold you to a field goal nine times out of ten. So, I don't know. That's that's my take on Jordan Poyer. Yeah, and I think the Jordan, I think the conversation with Jordan Poyer, and like if you look at the draft, and we can obviously the draft's in less than a month, and it's going to be really telling what the Bills do in the draft. So if we walk away with the draft, and they don't, and they don't take a single safety for example, they don't take a single safety, then there could be a potential Jordan Poyer extension because obviously they don't have a future safety on the roster at that point because obviously I don't believe they believe him. We agree on that. DeMar Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson, very nice backup and rotation on special teams guys, but aren't direct replacements for Poyer or Hyde. Obviously Hyde is another year left on this contract and Poyer is only 30. So I don't disagree in the sense that Poyer could get a year or two extension, or like you said, give him money up front and push back the rest of the money, something like that. But if the Bills really wanted to go towards that draft, I guess the draft route, obviously they're probably way too far back for take Kyle Hamilton, but you can go like a Daxton Hill, a Luis Chin, Jaquan Brisker. If you wanted to take a guy early first or second round, if the Bills really wanted to do that, or they signed Poyer to an extension, Dave. And then this conversation just becomes completely not useless, but it just becomes non-existent anymore because Poyer's going to be locked up. I, I would love for Poyer to be locked up, but I agree. It's tough to – it's you can't get emotionally attached as much as we do. You can get emotionally attached to Josh Allen because Josh Allen's not going anywhere. But the, if the, the teams that don't replace veterans or don't have a, a future replacement on the roster – or don't draft a replacement, or don't have a plan in place, or the teams that stink year in and year out because their veterans go and then they don't have a replacement. That's the situation. And I think if the Bills – the Bills are not going to get into that situation. And I wouldn't be – I really, really wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Bean decided to draft a safety early on. I don't know if that's my, uh, I think, top – top pick I would love because I would love for them to go a corner or a receiver in the first two pick first two rounds because I think those are a little bigger needs 
But if they decided that Jordan Poyer is going to play out his contract and that'll be it for Jordan Poyer, which would be obviously sad because I think Jordan Poyer, like you said, I have a lot of respect for Jordan Poyer. The Eagles and the Browns thought he was useless, thought he wasn't a good enough to start at their safety. Brandon Breen and Sean McDermott took a chance on him, and he's turned into an all-pro safety, a legit. Not just we think he's an all-pro, he's an all-pro safety. And I think that is, one, it's a great story. He's been great. And like you said, him and Hyde in the back, in the back side of the defense, haven't given up yards or consistent touchdowns throughout their tenure in the Bills, and I think we're gonna we're gonna miss that obviously. But I trust Bean and I trust McDermott to make the right decision. I don't know what that right decision is. It all depends if the contract extension comes. If we know it means that we're gonna get you a contract extension, but we're gonna wait to after the draft, and like him and Porter obviously have that like agreement, and then obviously they can work out the money, and we don't see them taking safety anywhere high up in the first three rounds. Then I would say, I don't know if you agree on this, Dave, that Poyer will be here for another year or two if we don't take a safety in the first three rounds. Well, to me, this is the the money, the money situation. This would be perfect in my terms of if I had if I put my Brandon Bean hat on, this is mm-hmm. how I would do it. I give Jordan Poyer one more year. I do a very similar deal to where I try to push some of the money into 2023. Now we all know we can't keep pushing money into 2023 and 2024 because eventually that catches up right eventually all this money that we're pushing back with the extensions we're doing and moving things around the signing bonuses it's going to catch up we can't continue to do that but i think for this position for this player we absolutely that's a must and here's why i think what you can do is you have micah heiner in contract for 2023 that's two seasons if you push you know if you give poyer another year that's 2023. What you do this year is within the first four rounds, say even the first three rounds, depending on um, who's on the board, right? If their guys are on the board, you draft the safety. 2023 draft, you draft another safety early. So that way you have, <clears throat> you have a plan in place. Now, these guys may or may not pan out that you draft, but you have done what you've preached that you want to do. You want to draft, develop, resign. So you've re-signed Micah Hyde and extended him. You've re-signed and extended Jordan Poyer. Now you've drafted their replacements. You have, they have two years. The draft, the, the the player that's drafted this year has two years to learn from these guys, and the guy next year has a year to learn from two of the best duos, two of the best tandems in the NFL. You have, you have two All Pros to learn from for two years. Sign me up for that deal. So, I mean, another thing about, you know, you look at players like Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde is a coach on the field. If we like to call it that or not, Micah Hyde is a guy that has the experience. He's played in big games when he was with Green Bay. He's been on this team and played in big games with the Bills. He's a guy that can be out there and coach up a young guy while he's still playing and performing at a high level. Similar to why the Bills, I believe, it's not being talked about enough with Vaughn Miller bringing him in. The knowledge that he's going to share with A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham, you know, Gregory Rousseau, the knowledge that he's going to share, even with to Ed Oliver to an extent, the knowledge that he's going to be able to share while he's still performing at a high level, it, it's just it's paramount over just the production. So I just wanted to get that in there before we move into our, uh, our, draft, our draft talk. Yeah, exactly. Now, perfect time to move into our draft talk. 
obviously the Bills. We're going to focus just a little to end the show. Obviously, we broke down the Stefan Diggs contract extension, obviously the Jordan Poyer contract uh, situation. And obviously the Bills have been rumored and a lot of mock drafts. And mock drafts, you always take a single – I always think this. Every time we post a mock draft, and obviously all the ones that are built at Buffalo are done by recently done by me. And every mock draft you see on Instagram and Twitter or whatever you see them, you got to take it with a grain of salt because or Mel Kuyper, any draft expert, you got to take it with a grain of salt just because obviously they're not in the building. They might hear stuff, but the board might not pan out how that mock draft pans out. Starting with the running backs. And I'm going to start with this. I I'm against taking the running back in the first round. I am not against taking a running back in the second round, even though I love Devin Singletary. I think a second round running back in the form of Brees Hall from Iowa state, Kenneth Walker, from Michigan State, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M, or James Cook, potentially in the third round. I love James Cook. I t- put a tweet out maybe two months ago on my personal about how much I love James Cook just from watching the national title game. Obviously, the younger brother of Dalvin, so has NFL experience in his family, his older brother, and I think he's just an elite pass catcher. And I think the Bills, you saw they wanted one in J.D. McKissick. Obviously, that contract fell through. They brought in Duke Johnson, but Duke Johnson's not a long-term running back here. He's a stopgap for a year, and he could be a very good stopgap. But James Cook coming in could be that, I guess, that running back out of the backfield that Josh Allen could check down on third downs. I think any of these running backs we take, Dave, in a Brees, Brees Hall or – Kenneth Walker, but maybe more of a Brees Hall or James Cook could be that third down running back year one and then eventually replace or stay with Devin Singletary for the future. I like Brees Hall and I like James Cook as my probably top two guys I think the Bills could take. They're not my top two guys on the board. Brees Hall is, and then James Cook's a little farther down, but I don't think a Kenneth Walker or maybe not an Isaiah Spiller fits them as well. And obviously we saw James Cook, it was either yesterday or the day before, either Wednesday or Tuesday. I have all the days mixed up that James Cook visited Buffalo, visited Orchard Park. So the Bills are clearly, clearly interested in James Cook because if they're gonna, if he's gonna, if he's gonna, if they're gonna have him in for a visit, doesn't mean they're gonna take him. Everybody has to be careful was with that, but it means that the Bills have legit interest in uh, a James Cook. So Dave, what, what running back do you like if the Bills went that running back? And they actually, they also had Isaiah Spiller as a visit. So that's also another thing. And a little breakdown in Spiller. He's six foot, 217, runs with only hips. And he's good pad level. Uh, he's patient and urgent. And he has lateral acceleration. So that's just a little tidbit on Isaiah Spiller. But Dave, give me a running back. If the Bills went that went the running back route in the draft, you would like. Um, yeah, you're right. Isaiah Spiller, he's, uh, he's going to be a top 30 uh, visit for the Bills. Uh, that's coming up. That just came out today. Um, I like Isaiah Spiller. I just, he's a three down back, right? He's, it doesn't yes. fit what the bills want to do. He's, he's a guy that's going to be your workhorse. And I just don't see him. I like his size. I like his vision. Um, like you said, his lateral movements are, 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 his pad level lateral movements are nice. I just don't see him as a fit for the bills offense. And I don't think the bills have a chance because I don't think, I don't think the bills are going to take a running back in the first round. Um, I'm not, and, and, and if you guys don't know me, you're, you're going to know me here real quick. I'm not a first round running back guy. I just, the value of the pick to me needs to be an impact player. And I think that the bills value running back. Um, the, the way Brandon Bean values running back is it's someone that can be easily, not easily replaced, but it's a committee position. 
they don't want the cowbell, you know, three down guy, a Delvin Cook. They don't want someone who's going to be first, second, third down. They want to get guys who are getting their rhythm, guys that can catch passes, guys, you know, that can get on hot streaks and we're going to play him this game. So I just, I, I like Isaiah Spiller and how could you not? He's probably going to be the first running back off the board in the draft. And I just don't see the Bills taking it back in the first round. Um, you talk about Kenneth Walker. He's also a guy that I think not as big as as Spiller, but I think he's also a guy who who is going to be a featured back somewhere. He's going to be a three-down back. I think he's going to be a guy that is going to tote the rock 25, 30 times a game in the right system, um, a run-heavy team, um, and I just don't think that's the Bills. You know, Brees Hall is, it has grown on me a lot. Um, I love his versatility. I think that he would be an extremely nice compliment to Devin Singletary. Um, the thing that concerns me is when the Bills drafted Devin Singletary, a lot of people talked about the wear and tear of how much he was used in college. And I feel the same way for Brees Hall. I feel like he's been used a lot. And to have that wear and tear as a running back coming into the NFL, where we all know once running backs hit 28, 29, they're kind of cast away. So getting someone with some less tread, uh, you know, would be nice, but I like what he does. And I feel like he would be the perfect compliment to Devin Singletary. I think, you know, he scored 50 touchdowns. He's had over 4,000 yards in three seasons. He just seems like he's the guy that, you know, is, is the right fit for this offense can catch the ball out of the backfield, decent blocking, you know, um, his vision is nice. It seems like he's got a little bit of scat in him to where he's kind of like Devin Singletary for where he can make guys miss in space. So, I think the Bills are going for speed. Um, like you talked about bringing in McKissick or, well, they tried to sign McKissick. <clears throat> we all know how that panned out. They were looking for guys that add speed and space. And I think that's – and now this is all going to be predicated upon what kind of offense Ken Dorsey wants to run because we don't know. We don't know if he wants to run two tight end sets. We don't know if it's going to be a zone scheme. We don't know, you know, what type of offense he wants to run. He could run a spread offense. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what he wants to do um, because there were some clamorings that, that Brian Dable didn't want to run the ball and Sean McDermott wanted to be a running offense. Yes, he had Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie. He had all these guys, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, but he wanted to run the ball more. And I think that's where Sean McDermott and Brian Dable butted heads. And that story that came out that Brian Dable and, and Sean McDermott kind of butted heads a few times, game plans weren't in sync. Um, so to me, having Ken Dorsey was the passing coordinator last season and has been the passing coordinator for the past couple of seasons. If he's the passing coordinator and not the run game coordinator, it kind of makes you believe that he might be a more pass oriented offense, but still we have Sean McDermott, who's an old school quarterback who wants to smash the ball down your throat and play defense. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's kind of hard with the quarterback that we have, who's going to light it up. Um, and have the air raid offense and stuff like that. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. Training camp's going to be interesting. I think how the Bills draft is going to be is going to determine a lot of you know it's going to it, it's going to they're going to play their hand as far as how they want to run the offense. If they draft a wide receiver early, I feel like they're going to try to be a pass heavy offense. If they go running back before wide receiver, which could be round two, round three, then maybe they want to you know run the ball a little bit more, even though they brought in Duke. Duke uh, Duke Johnson and they still have yeah. 
for now, they still had Zach Moss under contract. And obviously, Motor Singletary, who is my clear favorite for um, RB1 going forward. But I don't know. I just think Brees Hall is the guy that, to me, would fit in this offense. Uh, and I think he'll be there in round two. So, No, I completely agree. I think, obviously, Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Spiller are three-down running backs. And I don't think the Bills need to draft a three-down running back. I think Brees Hall fits the mode mold perfectly. Like I said, James Cook in the third round is that perfect example of a pass catching running back and also a guy that has doesn't have a lot of wear and tear. I have a third round grade on James Cook. I also have a third round grade on his teammate, Samir White. Samir White's more of a ground and pound running back, I would say. And I think James Cook not having wear and tear would be a perfect fit. And I think the Bills, I think a guy that doesn't have a lot of wear and tear, a guy that's a pass catcher, and a guy that fits a third down running back kind of scheme will be the running back. If the Bills do go that path of taking a running back in the second or third round, that type of running back. We're going to end the episode, and this is the Buffalo Blitz podcast. I appreciate you guys listening. We're going to end the episode. Dave, just give me one wide receiver you would like the Bills to target, maybe in the first, maybe in the second round. All right. You said one, but I got two that I'm kind of torn on. Um, I like, give me, give I like, me two, Dave. I, I like Traylon Burks. He's big. Yes. He's one of the yes. biggest receivers in this class. Um, now, people are going to say, well, wait a minute. We have Gabe Davis. He's a big guy. But if you watch film on, on Traylon Burks, he's a contested catch guy and a red zone guy that the Bills and, – and he would thrive with Josh Allen because Josh Allen's just going to throw the ball up and say, go get it, big boy. And I think that building this offense to be physical – because Stefan Diggs isn't a big guy. Isaiah McKenzie's not a big guy, right? Jameson Crowder's not a big guy. And we've had little guys. We've had John Brown. We've had Emmanuel Sanders. We've had Cole Beasley. We've had a lot of these little – I don't want to say little, but these guys that aren't going to go and give you the corner of the end zone or I need 10 yards on a third down. I'm just going to throw it up and hope you're going to go get it um, type guys. Um, yes, we have Dawson Knox. Yes, we have O.J. Howard. Those are big guys, but those are also tight ends that are going to be asked to block and do things like that. But he's a big boy, and he's physical, and I like that. And I think the Bills need a little bit more physicality in the wide receiver room because I don't think Gabe Davis is that guy. Gabe Davis is going to be a really good wide receiver in the NFL, but I don't think he's that guy that's going to he's going to outwork some really athletic, physical, you know, tall, lengthy DBs or safeties for contested catches. And then, obviously, I have to go with James Williams, right? I think if we're looking for a slot replacement, I think Jameson Williams is that guy. Um, people want to say, well, we have Isaiah McKenzie, um, and he can be our slot guy. And that's true, but I, I, I just like his speed. Um, he can play in a spread offense. That's kind of what he played. Um, he was smart. And he transferred from Ohio State to Alabama because he knew he was buried on the depth chart, um, you know, behind guys like Garrett, uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So I don't know. I, between those two guys, I wouldn't be upset with either one. But if I had to pick one, it would be Traylon Burks. Um, I don't think they take a wide receiver in the first round. I think they wait till the second round. They wait till day two. Um, there's a lot of clamoring going around that the Bills might be active on day one. Um and I don't want to get into too much talk about, you know, other positions other than what we're talking about, but the only way the bills can be active and get what they want is if they get into the top 10, because these corners are going to be gone. 
by 25. Um, the guys that we're all talking about, you know, sauce and, and things like that, they're going to be gone by, by 25. So it's going to be really interesting. What, what's your, who's your two guys? My, so I'll, obviously I'll stay away from James. I have six first round receivers that have grades on that are, that I grade as first round receivers are Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams. This is no particular order. Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, Drake London, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, and Jahan Dotson. Those six guys I have first round grades on. So any of those guys at 25, I would be thrilled with. I think Jameson Williams is incredible. I don't think he gets to 25. I just don't. But there's Dave, there's gonna be two really good receivers, maybe three that are gonna get to 25 or around that 20s area that the Bills. Bills are going to be able to take one of those six guys if they want to take one of those six guys at 25. I like Jahan Dotson. I made an episode. I think this was either my first or second episode as a member of the built-in Buffalo network. Jahan Dotson, I think, like you said, James Williams is a perfect replacement. I also think Jahan Dotson is a perfect replacement for um, Cole Beasley. And I think he is he's listed at six feet, but his catch radius and his hands and his route running remind me of Stefan Diggs. And if you could play Jahan Dotson on the outside and on the inside, so I think it gives you a lot of versatility. And I just imagine a receiving core of a big three and now with obviously Jameson Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie. So Isaiah McKenzie, Jameson Crowder, Diggs, Davis, and then Jahan Dotson. I just, that just sounds incredible. And I think Jahan Dotson's catch radius, his hands and his route running are top notch. And I would love Jahan Dotson. Another option, and I don't think he gets a 25, Drake London. I think him, his jump ball ability is incredible. Does he remind me too much of Gabe Davis, or does he play similar to Gabe Davis, like you said about Traylon Burks? And I think Drake London is a tad better than Traylon Burks. I love Traylon Burks. I don't think Drake London gets a 25. But if I had to bet if the Bills are going to go with a guy at 25, I think it's Jahan Dotson. I just think he fits the mold in Buffalo. And I think his, he reminds me so much of Stefan Diggs, but he also can play in the slot. And I think if that's an option, I think that would be a great pick, but any of the six guys, Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, Drake London, Olave, Burks and Dotson. And at 25 would be, a, I think a very solid value pick. And if the bills wanted to go in the second round and take a receiver, there's some guys that have second round grades on. I got, you have obviously Calvin Austin, David Bell could be second rounders which I don't have third round grades on them, but Christian Watson, Sky Moore, George Pickens, Alec Pierce and Wandell Robertson. And then we, there's a report that came out today. That's those were very interested in Sky Moore. And I think he would be a perfect replacement in the slot because he's a legit slot slot receiver. And if you take him in the second round, Dave Sky Moore in the second round would be an absolute value pick for the bills. Yeah. And you talk about Jahan Dotson too. I, I, you talk about moving him in the slot. I, I think he's an, an excellent boundary receiver. If you, if you talk about um, putting him in a spread offense and a couple things that, and, and this might just be my weird brain, but Sean McDermott likes seniors. He likes those four-year college players. And John yeah. Dotson and Chris Olave are both seniors. They put in their time. They were dedicated to getting their degree. And that, that can't be undervalued at all with a lot of these players. They, they, when they do their visits, and they have their interviews, and they get asked all the questions. That that stuff comes up. I'm telling you right now. And McDermott is one of those guys. He's a creature of habit, and he likes his guys who are dedicated, motivated. Um, they have a plan. Um, but yeah, I, 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 per, I, I, 
personally don't think that they're going to take a receiver in the first round. I just don't think that's Brandon Bean's MO. Um, obviously, we have three weeks from the time that we're recording this until the draft starts um, to see if the Bills are going to go after a veteran corner. Um, if they don't, you have to take a cornerback in round one. And if you have to make a move to get it, so be it. This is the, this, the time is now. The window is now. You know, and like you said, there's going to be good receivers that – and look, day two, there's going to be good receivers. And my philosophy is I think that we are almost to a point where if you get an average to a slightly above average receiver on this team, a la a Jamison Crowder, Josh Allen is going to bring the best out of them. You look at players that have played, and I'm not comparing Josh Allen to Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or any of these quarterbacks, but if you look at what Aaron Rodgers has done, he's made average to slightly above average receivers better. You can even say that about Josh Allen with John Brown and the underutilization of Cole Beasley with Dallas. Those guys came here and they were rock stars. You know, they they helped Josh progress. He gave them both career years. Beasley had career years back to back. Stephon Diggs had career years back to back. So they could be valuing a corner more and saying, okay, we have some really good wide receivers on our on our draft board for day two. Let's put them with Josh and we could probably make this a really good connection for the next four years. So that's something that, that's something also to, to think about. You know, yeah, and I think I agree with them. We don't have to get down this rabbit hole because we'll be talking for another two hours of the cornerback. Because I do agree. I think the Bills' number one need is corner, and I think they should be should trade up. But if they don't, taking a corner at 25 has to be that pick. And I think they also should add a veteran corner. I'm on that train. Add a veteran corner, draft a corner in the first two rounds. That's my train, or that's the train I'm on of, yeah, drafting a corner and signing a corner. But I think the first two picks, we had to bet would be a corner and a receiver in any order you want to pick. But obviously, we broke down a little bit of the running back and wide receiver pick, uh, wide receiver prospects. Dave, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. No, the pleasure was all mine, man. It's it's been a while since I've been trying to get on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, and you were the first that I've been on in a long time, and this was absolute fun, man. I had a blast. Hey, it's an honor to have the founder of Built in Buffalo on the Buffalo Blitz Podcast and be the first podcast to have you on guys like always make sure you guys follow us on twitter and instagram and facebook any social media built in buffalo content is daily 24 7 dave and the team are just pouring out content it's awesome buffalo blitz podcast apple podcast and spotify in the mornings and then youtube at 2 p.m so you guys will be seeing this episode on youtube if you guys like youtube at 2 p.m make sure you guys check it out as well on apple podcast and spotify the buffalo blitz podcast will be every week on friday so you guys don't want to miss these episodes. I'm Peter DiBiase. Until next time, this was the Buffalo Blitz podcast on the built-in Buffalo Network. Have a good weekend and a good rest of your week. See you next Friday. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.